When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, this is Michael Bailey Smith, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc. Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and germs, children of all ages, I actually appreciate this next guest that we're going to have because he is a man of many traits. Most people know him from the one role I'm going to mention, or actually multiple roles at least with our fan base. But he considers himself an Air Force brat with all due respect to Air Force and military folks, which he graduated over in Iran from high school. He then went on to be in the military himself. He's a college graduate with computer sciences. 
he had a stint and a cup of coffee with the Dallas Cowboys. Competitive bodybuilder a little bit. But most people would know him from his acting career, such as the remakes of The Hills Have Eyes. He was Super Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. He's done a lot, and he's now in the business field as well. So let's go ahead and say hello to Mr. Michael Bailey Smith. Good afternoon, sir. Good. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. So we were kind of texting last week to set things up and get initial communication going. And I want to start with this. You mentioned that you have two sons who are playing college ball. So how hectic is your life right now? Yeah, weekends are crazy. I'm leaving Friday to go uh, see my one son who plays in a junior college in California. He uh, was getting pretty recruited pretty well in high school. And then he, he uh, hurt himself senior year and then all the offers went away because of it. So, you know, he had surgeries and things got squared away. And uh, now he's in a junior college uh, back in California, which is good. So he's doing really well. He's a tight end. He's 6'5", about 235. So we'll see what happens. And then uh, I have another son who was an Army Ranger, uh, special operations guy. Uh, and uh, he kind of took after me a little bit. Uh, he's better than me for sure. But uh, he plays at Central Michigan. I played football at Eastern Michigan. So after high after my high school, I went to the military and I was in the 82nd Airborne Division as a paratrooper. And then I did my time and got out, walked on at Eastern Michigan. And, you know, I did did pretty well and preseason All-American and things like that. And up at the Cowboys. So for him, you know, he's uh, Army Rangers. You know, he's been deployed and seen combat and all those things like that. I have much respect for him for that. And uh, but he said he wanted to go play college football. And so he's a tight end as well at Central Michigan. So definitely well. your travel schedule is quite busy trying to see uh, and show respect to both sons. But, yeah. but the son that's in California, you mentioned he had some injuries and whatnot. And yeah. obviously, I know your story of hurting your knee while uh, yeah. playing in college. So yes. being that you have the experience of now going through that and such what I, I guess the best way to uh, say this, did it make your concerns that much more for when he was dealing with his stuff? Agreed. So my younger one hurt his back in high school. And so, uh, you know, I took him to a, uh, you know, the doctor at the time said, well, if he gets hurt one more time, he'll be paralyzed. And I'm like, what, you know, whatever. I thought that was kind of crazy, but he ended up rehabbing and doing well. Then he, he played all last year in junior college and this, the second year he, he tweaked his back again. And so I took him to a specialist. Uh, I know the team doctor at Baylor, the university of Baylor. So I know then took him down and he, he has a whole uh, practice down there. And so there's a back specialist there and took it. And, and uh, basically what they said was, listen, uh, this is the kind of injury. It's uh, happens to a lot of people. Uh, you will not get paralyzed. Not from this, and they said, you know, and so it's now it's a matter of you. Do you want to play with pain? Uh, if you want to play, and so he's right now he's he's been out for a while, um, and he's going to continue to be out. He's deciding whether he wants to make the sack. You know, he wants to you know put put his body through you know pain. And I I told him this is what I told him. I said, listen, do not 
do this because of me. You know, I was crazy. So right for my senior year, I hurt my knee, you know, pretty bad. And the head coach and the team doctor and, you know, the coaches came in, my position coach came in and said, hey, Michael, so here's the deal. Uh, you can either get operated on now and get ready for the draft or we need you. You can play with that injury. And so immediately, without hesitation, I said, yes, I'll do it. I'll play. And so I played on it, you know, and it made it worse. And by the end of the year, I was so bad, I couldn't even play at all. And so when this last game was over, I got to think I'd operate on the next day or the next week. Um, so, but he's, you know, he, he's got to make his decision. I told him, whatever you decision, if you want to play football, it's great. If you don't, that's great too. There's three things you, have, you need to do. And this is, goes with just life. And the first one is that whatever, you got to set your dreams high. You know, um, and you in uh, almost uh, unattainable. Like, you know, I wanted to play in the NFL. That was my goal, right? So I always wanted to play. I was a kid. I was like, I want to do whatever it took to make that happen. And so I took these steps and I I got there. I, I hurt my knee again in camp, but that I couldn't nothing to do with that. But I got to that position. The same thing when I became an actor. I wanted to become a, a working actor. I wanted to work all the time on different types of of movies, you know, horror movies and comedies and and dramas and TV shows and commercials and and video games and the whole situation print and I, and I did that I made a great living for quite some time I'm still doing it to this day and so and I said that's so set your goals high whatever that is and then work your way work your way to get there and I said this and the second thing is is that don't do anything half ass I don't care what it is if you do something half ass that's a reflection on you and you as a person that means you don't care. I said, go through life doing everything to, to, to the best of your ability, the best of your ability. You know, that's what it is. If you do that, that will set, set a precedent and that will set a reputation and things open, things will open for you. People want you for other projects or other jobs or this or that or whatever. doesn't matter. Just don't anything half ass. And the, and the third thing is I said, have passion, have passion in everything you do. You do those three things. You're going to be successful in life. And that's what I told them. So see what happens. Exactly. And I hope for the best for both of your sons. We obviously can't predict the future. But yep. back to you, sir. It's quite interesting when I was reading up on your background. You, like I said, grew up in a military family, which you then went on to become a paratrooper, as you said. And you graduated with computer science, went into the main portion of your acting career, which like you said, you're still involved with 25 solid years of doing everything yeah. and now doing a lot of business development. So mm-hmm. it's such a wide dichotomy, I guess is the yeah. word to think. What led you to going towards the business development side of things? Yeah. So that's quite it. So first of all, I just want to say up front that I'm blessed, you know, but I, but nothing, all the things that have, I've experienced and people say, wow, you've lived, lived a really interesting life. And, and I, I say, okay, yeah, I have. But thing is, I just, everything I've worked, God, I worked my ass off for. And there's these opportunities that pop up and everybody gets opportunities. Like for instance, my first role as an actor was Nightmare on Elm Street, part five, playing Super Freddy. I was in San Diego after the Cowboys and I got, I finished my degree. I went to San Diego, chased some girl out there. I thought I was going to marry her. That lasted about a month. She dumped me. So I got a job at Xerox, putting my degree to work. And I was, you know, 
uh, writing code and debugging software for a company called Xerox. At the time, they were doing software. And uh, what happened was that um, I, I befriended a guy by the name of Steve Henneberry, great, good, good friend to this day. He became an American Gladiator later on. He was Tower Amer American Gladiators in the 90s. And he said, um, he said, hey, I'm going up to Los Angeles to read for this movie called Nightmare on Elm Street. He goes, why don't you come with me? Maybe you'll get the audition too. I said, all right, cool. So I tagged along. I took the day off from work. I mean, the boss didn't really give it to me. I took it anyway. And so I went up to, drove up drove up to Los Angeles about two and a half hours to get there and drove on the one-on-one -on -one and I saw the Hollywood sign. You know, we got off on Hollywood Boulevard and it was on Sunset and uh, Vine was the audition and we went in and uh, I sat there in the foyer waiting for him to finish. And then they asked me, do you want to audition? I said, okay. And so I went in and met the director and I got this role. So it's a little bit more than that, but that's kind of how it happened. But if I would, if, if I would have, if I would have said, no, I don't want to audition. None of this would have happened. It was an opportunity. And so I took it, I put myself out there and I took it. So, you know, that's, so this whole thing about, you know, all these different things that have happened you know, throughout my career, it's these opportunities that present themselves. And I'm like, this looks like a good opportunity. I'm going to work my butt off to get there to get it. So when I, when I went to Los Angeles, you know, after, you know, after I landed that Nightmare on Elm Street movie, um, I got a, instead, so I had a choice, you know, you have to support yourself in Los Angeles, period. It's expensive, no matter what year it is. It's expensive, all, all relative, but it's expensive. And you have to have a car, you know, so you need a job. <laughs> Most actors, what they do is they they um, they work at uh, some place that gives them flexibility. So they work at a restaurant or whatever they do, right? Work at a bar. For me, uh, I answered an ad in the paper for a test engineer for this for this place to be a contractor, a test engineer for this test laboratory that tests consumer products. And so they hired me. I kind of bullshit a little bit on my resume to get the job but i got it that i had some experience but i got it and i busted my ass and, and every waking moment that i wasn't auditioning or studying acting class i was in there you know sometimes doing it on my own dime or on my own free time learning how to test software and hardware and things like that for consumer products computers i tested like operating systems like uh ibm os2 way back in the day you know the first versions of windows all these things like before there was the internet this is back in the 90s. And so I worked at a test laboratory and I did it for 10 years. And I did that in, 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 in parallel with the acting career. So I was smart enough when I was doing the testing that I would say, hey, I'm going to go on audition. And I could get this movie. And they all cheered for me when that happened. And so I'd go off and sometimes land a movie and I'd be gone for either a couple of weeks or maybe a month and I'd come back. I still have my job. And the reason why I still have my job, because I didn't do anything half-ass. I always bust my ass at everything. I always went the extra mile and did a really great job. And so they wanted me on these projects, but because I wasn't a, a full-time employee, I was a contractor. I could come in and leave when I want to, but I wanted, I did it to make money. And mm -hmm. so instead of waiting tables or working at a bar, I worked at a test laboratory. So when I did that whole thing for 25, 27 years as an actor, um, when I wanted to focus more on the business side of things, uh, it was an easy transition. Because I was already in the business side of things, it wasn't new new to me. So I transitioned from being an engineer there to being into project management and being into sales. And I did sales long and was pretty good at it. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, seven years, six uh, six years. 
full time. And uh, I'm right now, you know, like in Hollywood for playing these types of characters, you know, people know who I am. They know Michael Bailey Smith. Well, guess what? In the IoT world or the Internet of Things, like connected solutions like the Ring Doorbell and things like that, that whole space, people know who Michael Bailey Smith is. They know me as being a really great sales guy. And I can take companies and build them from scratch, from zero revenue to multi-million dollar businesses, like hundred million dollar businesses. Last one I did, I just I took him to four hundred million in about four years. So that's that's what I'm good at. So that's that's how I transitioned from being, you know, full time actor, ninety miles an hour, doing all this stuff, to then moving out today. But I'm still in Hollywood, and how I'm in Hollywood now is that I write. So. Uh, and I, I've been writing quite a bit. You know, as an actor, I started writing. And now I, I just I wrote a screenplay called My Good Boy uh, that's been optioned. And it's going to go into production next year. So I'm also tough to that. Thank you. I'm a producer and, uh, and writer on it. So it's good. You referenced it earlier about people knowing who you are. With the civilian job, as I'll say, mm-hmm. in sales and business and all that kind of thing. Do people tend to recognize you and with the technology like it is today, would they pull out their phone and Google and, hey, hey, aren't yeah. you so-and-so from this, that, and the other? Yes, sir, they do. But because I use three names, I don't use Michael Smith. I use Michael Bailey Smith in my, in my emails and things like that. And so people go, well, that's kind of different that he's using his middle name. And then they'll Google it and then find my IMDB page and then all the images of me, these characters, and they – and then they'll call me and go, is this you? I said, yep, that's me. They go, so why are you doing this? I said, well, you know, this is my new new kind of career. So it's all good. Every, everybody thinks that actors are, you know, actors are, are millionaires, multimillionaires. No. And there's a small percentage of those that make really good money. The rest of them are like me who work from gig to gig, job to job, you know, and, you know, sometimes struggle. That's what and- happens. I don't know the current numbers, but with that mindset being there of what you just mentioned, I'll never forget something Doug Bradley told me years ago in terms of actors in Hollywood and such. And he was telling me about, because I asked him about being having a notable character such as Pinhead and obviously mm-hmm. Robert Englund has it with Freddie and you know, other people. Yeah, other people, certain people have it, this notable character. But what Doug was telling me was when you think about it, because he was very heavy involved with SAG at the time. Mm-hmm. He goes, out of all the people who are professional actors and get paid, maybe one to 5% make a livable wage. So no, no much around 7% make, uh, there, there, there's 7% make enough to make a living. Off yes. It. It's about 7, 7%. And I was in that 7 percentile. So I was in that. So, but there, then there's the other, the, you know, the holy crap money driving the Lamborghini, you know. Which is even a smaller percentage of that 7%. When you, Agreed. Agreed. And not many people realize that, that when you think about it, it's like, holy shit, that, you know, not everybody is, like you said, driving Lamborghinis and it was gig yeah. to gig. And yeah, you made a livable wage to cover your bills and stuff, but you weren't, I'm going to go to Tahiti for six months. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, 
that's the George Clooney's and guys that you know they do those are the ones and they're the ones that are not only are they uh they're acting in it but they're also per, per, producers and things like that so that's kind of how it happens hey but I, and if you know if I'm, you can get it god bless you you know i'm, I'm oh, not no, I, anybody i i i i cheer on anybody that that makes a living at anything and is successful at it so i don't care just be the best at what you do just just work on trying to be the best at what you can do and again don't be half ass yeah <laughs> and i pretty much what i was going to say there is don't if you're going to go and do something, I think you should go in knowing everything about that field, whether you want to be an actor, burger flipper, at McDonald's, doing what you do, whatever it is, you should have a full grasp of what you're getting into. So, yeah. If you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, guess what? Be the best burger flipper. And I guess, guess what? The next thing you know, you're going to be the manager and then you'll be a regional manager. Then you'll be a divisional rep or manager. This is what yeah. happens. Exactly. So when you bust your so ass, that's yeah, just that's I, when my my son went into the military, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you some harsh truths. And I, I meant to this. And I said, most people that join the military are doing it just enough to get by. They're, they're going to do whatever they do just to get enough to get by, get a paycheck and whatever. Don't I said, don't do that. I said, don't brown nose, don't kiss ass, but just do the freaking best you can do. Just bust your ass. You do that. And guess what? Graduated top of his class in basic training, graduated top of his class in advanced school, uh, one of the top guys at a ranger school, one of the top guys out of ranger assessment and selection program. Uh, all these top super hard schools. Some of these schools, like the ranger schools, like 30% graduate, 30%. And he's one of the top guys out of that. That's That sells a lot. So, you know, just you can do it. Anybody can do it. Just kind of put your mind to it. So anyway. Well, before we get into the fun stuff with the acting and such i gotta ask since we've been referencing the military history and the family and such your who was it was it your dad that was in the air force yes sir yeah he uh, put in 30 years so he was involved with the sr-71s remember that boat back in the day yeah the, the blackbird yeah so yeah when it first started yeah so what made you say you know i'm gonna go into the army but then like you said, your son ended up joining a service. So did your feelings change with him joining a service? Because it was a totally different time in terms of, you know, we had the war on terror and just just everything that's been going on worldwide. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think most guys in general, see women, women have it made. Women don't know, but they run the world. We just don't, you know, they, they, we, they do. We all know that. All right. <laughs> so that's pretty is and they know probably way before guys do what they want to do for the life or whatever right they they're more squared away mature wise everything everything there's there's better at everything just think in general women are just much more you know and guys a lot of times got to try to figure out what they want to do in their life and things like that and so you know i think for him my younger son i mean my older son you know he you know he tried to play some junior college football as a quarterback and then he got you know got little didn't know what to do and then he you know and then he stopped and then uh i told him you need to get your shit together and so he said i want to be an army ranger and so that's what he did and that really squared him away so i i truly believe if you are lost in this world or don't don't know what you want to do go join the military that'll get you you're focused <laughs> looks good in your resume too so it's all good yeah so it it just seems like, you know, 
I don't have children of my own, but it just seems like it would be a scary thing to send them into, you know, just the craziness of the world. And I'm not getting in the political side of things, just what you see day to day. Yeah, well, I told them, I said, listen, if you're going to, so you're going to go in military. You're probably going to go to combat. I said, so, but I want, if you're going to do that, let's, let's, let, let's have you go to one of the best units in the world that's highly trained. Um, and they hardly lose anybody at all. And that's what you want to do. So, and that's what he did. He went to 75th Ranger Regiment, which is special operations unit and, uh, you know, highly, highly skilled, highly trained, best equipment in the, they have in the military. They're using stuff that most most of the other regular army doesn't have, and so uh, I felt pretty good that uh, he was a he was a thirteen fox, which is a forward observer. That was his job. So he he controlled air assets on top. You know, called in uh, you know drone laser strikes on people, and as well as uh, taking out targets and high value targets, capturing people. You know, the whole situation. So he's. He's a pretty he's a pretty badass guy, so I have much respect for him and what he's done. Well, that so. just sounds awesome, and much respect yeah. again for not only him but your younger son. But let's get into the fun stuff with your development of your acting career, and obviously Nightmare Five being your first project. Would you yeah. say that you were? a method or still are a method actor how would you describe your acting style that's progressed over the years i'm a bit i'm not a complete method but i do like to really kind of live in my character as much as i can uh yeah so i studied with a guy by the name jeremiah comey who did a lot of miser technique which is basically really learning to listen and understand the other person and not really put so much attention on yourself you know, how I, how do, you know, how, what am I doing? Just let, let your emotions be carried by as you listen to somebody or watch somebody. Um, and that really makes you come alive. You've seen some actors, like, especially when you get some like singer or something like that wants to be an actor. And sometimes, you know, uh, they get on screen and their face is dead, right? It's mm-hmm. about that life behind the eyes, that emotion and stuff like that. And so uh, Meisner technique is a lot like that. And it has some method in it too, and that always helps. And for me, I, I try to, you know, uh, because some of the roles that I've done, you know, that I've been recognized for, ones that I won award for, awards for, um, I was in prosthetics. So, you know, it's not something I can take off in the, you know, after a take. I live with that all day. So it's it's only natural for me to be more method, you know, because I'm I'm living and breathing and eating that character twenty four seven, not twenty four seven, but you know. At least for the full day and so uh yeah it, it's good and, and I, I love doing the research on the character and and uh one thing like i've done you know like when i did charm for two years and i had played four different types of characters each character was different the way they they talk they move they walk all their mannerisms then i went over and did uh between that i did like buffy the vampire slayer totally different kind of character then i did uh, like i did star trek totally different kind of character um, so I, I come up with these in, uh, unique characters and the mannerisms and a lot of it, 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 it informs for me and informs the character by building the character on the ground up, like what he wears and how he walks and how he talks and, you know, you know, all those things like that and how he stands there that informs the character. And then when you want to, when you have your dialogue and things like that, that it just, it just becomes natural because it's all part of it. 
And uh, same thing when I did a movie called Monster Man, which is a great little uh, cult classic, you know, 70s horror type feel of a, a movie. And that I character's name is Fuckface. And he's got a jacked up walk and the way he talks. It's just really, really cool. Like Hills of Eyes, I did Hills of Eyes 2, totally different characters. Still two mutants, but the way they, one, you know, Hills of Eyes 2, I was Papa Hades. I was ahead of all the mutants. And, you know, Hills of Eyes, when I was Pluto, you know, a, a guy who was innocent, you know, could be totally like a child and vicious, totally vicious. Where Papa Hades and Hills of Ice 2, he's the, he's the big bull, right? And he's going to kick everybody's ass who gets in his way. And so, yeah, he's on a mission. And when I, you know, I was talking to this one gal and she's a, um, she's a Christian, you know, and she, and so am I. And, and she says, you know, for you being a Christian, how do you play some of these characters like this? Does that bother you? I said, no. I said, uh, because, you know, with anything, I, I got interviewed by this on a Christian radio station once a little while ago, and uh, they're asking me the same thing. And I said, well, let's listen, you know, my part as an actor is to play these characters as real as possible, because if I can make my characters as real and as evil or whatever you want to call it, um, that it makes our heroes even more stronger because they can overcome those, you know, those, uh, all the bad things. And so, but the key to playing bad guys is not playing a bad guy. It's really not. You don't play bad guys. What you do is you play you. What you do is you believe in what you're doing is the right thing to do. That is totally it. You believe because that's everybody. You look at anybody who's been really bad guys, like, I don't know, Pol Pot or it could be Mussolini, maybe even Hitler or whatever. I don't think they thought they were doing evil things. They just had to do things because that's what they truly believed. Was it bad? Yeah. Was it that, you know, was it disgusting? And, you know, of course, all those things. But that's what they truly believed. And so when you're playing bad guys, you have to think the same thing that this is what I, I'm on a mission. This is what I truly believe that's right. In my twisted world, this is what's right, you know. So anyway, and, and that's what makes it come off like real. So exactly, because when as soon as you said that, I was thinking of a friend in the professional wrestling business who is well known, and he always said he he worked a majority of his career as a heel, and yeah. he said, you know, the better I got, more over as they would say, believing. And what I was doing was right. So, yeah. and it, yeah. it's nice to hear you take that into the acting uh, standpoint to make That's your true. characters. Yeah. But with being a la Super Freddy, or even as you mentioned, play Pluto, who was established by Michael Berryman, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's a friend of the show. How, and how I, I, know him, I know him as well. So, yeah. Oh, oh great dude. I, yeah, great guy. Lo love Michael. He's a good. Yeah, you know, one of the best when he very articulate, all that fun stuff. Yeah, you know, I can't yeah. say enough about the guy. But when you have these characters that were established by other people and you doing your research about these characters, were you one to, well, now it's easier when you did Hills Have Eyes to be able to pick up the phone and call Michael and say, maybe pick his brain. But nope. with, he, I did. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Okay, so you beat no. punch. No, Alex Aja. The director says, have you seen the originals? I said, nope. And he goes, don't. I don't want you to watch it. I don't want you to read about it. I don't want you to do nothing. 
I want you to come in with your own special sauce. And that's basically what I did. So now after I finished, I went and watched them, but I didn't see them before. And okay. so uh, that's, that's what I did. Now I would assume you had a conversation with Michael since. Yeah. So about- we were doing an autograph signing in, I think it was Amsterdam and on our way to Amsterdam, we, we, we bumped into each other in London and we had dinner and it was great. He's just a great, interesting guy. And then we did an autograph signing together in, in Amsterdam, but he's, he's a super nice guy, super cool and, and everything like this. And I've always given him so, so much kudos because I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done because there wouldn't be a Hills of Eyes. I mean, I think he, he really put the, that movie on the map and, uh, both, of course, created by Wes Craven, but still, um, uh, was was Wes Craven? Did he create the first one? Yes, he was. Okay, okay, I thought so. I thought so. I was just making sure. I don't know. Get some fan mail for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> leave him alone, folks. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. but but the, uh, yeah. So it was uh, yeah. So it but it wasn't for Michael and how great he did in the first one. You know that it probably wouldn't have been our remake. You know, and then we just took it to a different level, you know, more, I think, twisted and in your face. The trailer seems pretty intense and stuff like that. So, yeah. Now, what does we've been talking a little bit about your family life and all that stuff, too. What does your uh, family think of the acting and what you did for a living for mm-hmm. so long? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's always a source of entertainment i mean whenever time i see get it together they you know uh but they just it's like i used to be married right so uh i i've been i'm divorced now but uh i was married for a while and you know and my two boys you know to this day they it's the same thing it's just a part of the thing that's what dad did well you know my brothers and sister my brother and my sisters and my parents just well just what michael does you know, it's whatever, you know, so I'm, I'm the one who's like the, the crazy dude kind of pushing the envelope on things everybody else, you know, in the family, you know, they have, you know, stable jobs, 95 jobs and doing things. And, but me, I, I don't. So I've never been like that. I, I think I have a couple of nieces and nephews that are kind of like that too. They kind of like pushing the envelope a little bit. So yeah, uh, it's kind of fun. When uncle Michael comes home for Thanksgiving or Christmas <laughs> or, for the yeah, holidays yeah. or whatever the case. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uncle, Uncle Michael's the goofy <laughs> one, but yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> you know. goofy. Yeah, but <laughs> obviously, I was doing a little homework, as I said, and I saw you did conventions heavy for a while, took a break, and kind of do them again. So, <laughs> what's convention life look like for you currently? Yeah, so I'm doing a. Uh, yeah, so I I did. Uh, a, a bunch uh and, and then i just got tired of it tired of it um i wanted to focus on my career and uh and i did and then um uh and i stepped away for like probably 10 years or so uh didn't do anything and then a guy by uh peter delorme uh from seller appearances great guy really takes care of his customers and i mean his clients um and uh he reached out to me through Facebook and said, Hey, would you want to get back into the mix again? And so I said, yeah, I felt like doing it again and meet some more people. And so it's been good. I've done, so I've been doing it this year. Uh, I did one show beginning of la- end of last year, but it's been, 
about six, seven months I've been doing shows. Uh, I did one in like end of January, did one in, uh, I think it was April or something like that, May. And then uh, I have one coming up in the middle of October in, in San Antonio. I forgot the name of it. Uh, then, but I have a big one in Monster Mania in November. Nice. So, yeah. And then Robert England's going to be there. So we're going to be there together. Great. That's in my neck of the woods of Oak. So, yeah. And then I'll be, uh, I'll be in, uh, I'm going to do some uh, Super Freddy costume photo shoots. It'd be nice. Well, with that topic, I guess I'm going to have to do the picture with Super Freddy. But (laughs) with that being a topic, what has been the craziest thing you ever signed? Because they tend oh, to have, they have, they tend to come up with some creative stuff. Yeah. Fans. So my first, I was years ago, uh, 2007, something like that. I was at a, like a convention that it was kind of tattoo and horror. I don't know where it's at, like Kentucky or somewhere. I forgot. Scarefest and, or one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, I'm like your biggest fan. I said, okay, cool, man. Appreciate it. No, you don't understand. I'm really your big, biggest fan. I'm like, all right, no, I want to show you something. I'm like, wait, hold on for a second. Pulls up his shirt. And he's got a tattoo of the Hills of Eyes Pluto tattooed on his on the side of him. And uh, <laughs> so I signed it. I signed my name and he had it tattooed. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's that was kind of that was kind of that was cool. You know, that was really cool. Um craziest thing? I I don't know. I've had I've signed a bunch. Lately, there's a couple of guys, uh, one guy in particular did a bust of the Pluto from the Hills of Eyes. And so I signed that and that looked really, really good. Some of the some the, the talent and the artistry and at some of these horror conventions that people, you know, these things, they, these busts and these costumes they make. It's just remarkable. I love it. I love I love seeing all that. And the creativity is definitely amazing. And yeah. last question. What? Well, This is a two-parter for you, as I'm thinking of it. And I want to reference the Never Sleep Again documentary on Mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to get your reaction to it. Danny, who played, you know, Lisa Wilcox's boyfriend and stuff, mentioned, who's also, I should say, is also a military vet. So thank you, Danny. He's a ranger. So if you hear this, Danny, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Got to give him the respect as well. He talked about in the documentary about hey michael thanks for making me look good in bed so (laughs) yeah did you hear about that before the documentary came out or did you see that when the documentary came out when him tongue-in-cheek going hey thanks mike i don't remember i don't remember him saying that first of all uh and you telling me that is 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 a nice surprise i have to go i have the, the copy of it i need to go watch it so um that's pretty that's pretty funny yeah so that was like uh you know i was filming you know doing super freddy and then casting director and director company like hey michael what do you think about doing a love scene i'm like what is super freddy and they said no you know because of the two leads you know we need body doubles for them and so i said yeah so next thing you know next day i'm in bed with some really beautiful woman so uh you know but i you know we had to wear like flesh colored you know, underwear or whatever. She yeah. And I wore the undies. So yeah, it was, good. It was respectful, yeah. but it, I just thought that was hilarious that if you go and watch that section, it'll be, he gives you credit for 
the opening monologue and goes, Hey, Michael, yeah. thanks for making me look buff and stuff. You know, he, yeah, Danny yeah. being Danny, you know, he's like, Yeah, oh, yeah, he's God. a good dude. Yeah. Well, he, he, he was, he was an Army Ranger and uh, I think uh, he was in 2nd Battalion. Uh, and my son was Army Ranger in 1st Battalion. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, definitely. And I respect, even more respect for Danny going in post 9-11 to say, hey, let me go do something. But yeah, I have yeah. to share the respect for his time of service as well, too. So of obviously, I tried to click a link and it didn't seem to work for a website for you. But where can people find what you got going on, whether it be the business development or conventions or acting or where can people see what's going on in your your world? So that would be just Facebook. I used to have a website. I took it down. It was old and super outdated. And so I need to get back to doing that again. But I, I eventually will. But uh, it's Facebook's the main thing. I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. And what else? Uh, yeah. And my email is super simple. It's just my initials at my name. It's mbs at michaelbaileysmith.com. So if anybody wants to email me regarding uh, you know, want advice or ask some questions, you know, I'll be glad to answer them. So that's, that's basically how you get a hold of it. Pretty simple. Well, I will definitely, as long as I have your permission, I will put that in the yeah. description of everything. I will also put the social media links out. We tend to do that. Yeah. And My, then also LinkedIn, you, you can Google me on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah, absolutely. But Michael, I appreciate the time. So thank you so much. Me, you no, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Get him. Want me to get him? Well, I got him. My mouth is an oozy. And I shot him with the hundreds of rhymes. With a design to make him rewind. This time I draw the line. He's mine. Just chill. Don't nobody touch him. Because I'm going to get ill. The boy's 40 at the $3 bill. And this time I shoot. Just like a sucker, you took the bait. Now you're like a dead fish on my dish too late. So body people kick your feet up. I'm about to heat up. You're hungry for a battle. Now it's time to eat up. Boy, I'm gonna chew you. Cause I need Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. You're naughty! This medicine is made for extreme cases of being keel or having extreme depression. Ah, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, Increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Hi, this is Michael Berryman, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Woohoo!